Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. One, is this or is this not the XFL? Yes, it is. Two, do I or do I not currently have a pulse? Yes, I do. Let's play football. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Uh, live at the NFL Combine today. Thank you all for joining us. Dev's the onside engineer. You know, it's weird. I love being out on location. You know that. I loathe being out on location where I can't hang out with you. Um, I equally loathe being out on location where I can't have a couple of drinks. And neither one of those can take place right now. I can't hang out with you. And I can't have any drinks. So, as much as I love being out, this is a different altogether experience. There is no doubt. If you're waiting on Shane Steichen, uh, you're going to be waiting until next week because he'd be illing. He is unavailable today. He's going to join us coming up on the show from what I have been told by the Colts at some point this week. If you missed it earlier today, Chris Ballard met with the media here, talked about in September, Michael Pittman Jr. will be a part of this team. They're going to find out they're trying to work through a longer-term deal while also thinking about the franchise tag as I think he called it a tool. So that came out of today. Conversation with both he and Shane Steich. And that was asked, I think, after everybody met with him on the podium out there. That was asked locally about conversations with Jim Irsay, which uh, evidently Chris Ballard and Shane Steichen have uh, been having. Uh, regarding the draft of the Combine, too. So that and more with Chris Ballard a little bit earlier today. We shall hit that. Kristen Airy, bottom of the hour. Pelicans, Pacers later on tonight. Pacers got to get back on the winning track. We'll talk that up with the voice of the Pacers. And Bowen, Bowen loves it out here. However, Bowen's a little bit under the weather himself. Cavs going to join me coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live. I see you guys all lurking in there. Thank you very much for being a part of it. IU, a win over Wisconsin last night. Either somebody yanked the fire alarm, or as Jake Query told me earlier today, it was somebody smoking <laughs> inside an elevator or something. I, don't, I like the pulling of the fire alarm story much better. IU gets a win. Khalil Ware has a really nice game with that double-double. We'll talk about that. Butler, Indiana State, also in action. We shall hit that. Separate games, but in action. We shall hit that coming up a little bit later on as well. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, you will not find anybody better at breaking down a draft and draft picks, especially considering like last year where the Colts were drafting, it would have been much easier to hard target that. 15 is a little bit different. Who's going to be available in a variety of needful areas for the Colts coming up in the spring NFL draft? To talk about that and the impact of this combine on those players from ESPN, their NFL draft guru, it is Matt Miller on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Hey, Matt, thank you for the time. How are you? Doing well. Appreciate you guys having me. Give me the most interesting aspect as we enter now full-fledged NFL combine 2024 where's the top story 
I, I think it's that the top three quarterbacks are not working out here in Indy. Uh, you know, we get used to not seeing players work out, right? Last year, Bryce Young doesn't work out. But C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson last year do work out, and it helps their draft stock. I would say tremendously. You know, for C.J. Stroud, solidify yourself. You're drafted number two overall. You make the Houston Texans fall in love with you. Anthony Richardson, as you guys know well, have – a historic workout you drafted in the top five by the Indianapolis Colts. And now we get a year later and no one wants to work out. So I, I think it's, it's interesting that these, you know, where we're at, I think the quarterbacks feel like they have, uh, you know, leverage because of how many teams need them. But uh, I was really hoping we'd get to see some of these guys throw for selfish reasons, but also for evaluation purposes. Hey Matt, honestly, last year, CJ Stroud had me at ball placement specialist. That may have been the most important aspect of the entire week here for him. Ball placement specialist, which as a rookie in Houston, that's how it turned out. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it goes back to maybe I'm old school, but I, I love people who want to compete. You know, who wants to, you know, it's like the Julio Jones thing. It's like, oh, I'm not going to run. My agent says not to run. And then, you know, you, you get out here and you see everybody else running and you're like, wait a second, like, I can do that. You know, I, I'm, I'm better than that. I, I still love that element of it because football is a competitive game. It's a competitive sport. So, um, and again, I go back to last year, all the, all the, the conversation leading up to the combine was, oh, well, you know, C.J. Stroud, is he the third quarterback? Is he the fourth quarterback? And he said, nope, um, maybe the first quarterback. And I think we can look now and say maybe he should have been the first quarterback. So um, those are definitely big opportunities for players to help themselves. He's Matt Miller of ESPN, the NFL draft analyst and insider in town for the NFL Combine. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So who out of the quarterbacks you're talking about not working out, who is this likely to hurt the most? I don't think it will hurt Caleb Williams. I think he's, you know, he's the guy where it's like, okay, you kind of understand that one uh, because he is solidified. I think Drake may, I don't want to say it's going to hurt Drake may, but it's, it's a missed opportunity at least um, to come in here and have that CJ Stroud moment to say, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not backing down from anything. I'm going to throw, I'm ready. And especially for Drake uh, as a two-year starter, there's not as much tape on him as there is a guy like Jaden Daniels. And as a, you know, a junior entrant this year, he opted not to go to an all-star game like the Shrine game or senior bowl. So it's just, you know, a limited amount of information out there about him right now. Um, and so I think this would have been uh, a good opportunity for him to make a team fall in love with him, whether that's in the top three or, or top two or top five. But uh, I do think this was a, a could have been a good week for him. Do you have any concerns regarding Caleb Williams? Uh, I mean, I think with every player you have concerns. You know, there's some fumbles. I think he had eight this year that pop up on on tape. Um, you know, he played he played some hero ball this year because they were so bad. I, I ran the numbers and there he lost ten games in college, and those ten losses, his defense went forty point eight points. So I think at times he was trying to do too much, but. Take away the Notre Dame game, he threw two interceptions all year. You know, like he he doesn't turn the ball over. He's creative. He's got great arm strength. He's got great mobility. So you know, there's no perfect prospect, but he is he's one of the better quarterbacks I've ever seen. So Marvin Harrison Jr. is not working out as well, and he has taken certainly a different tact. How do you view him compared to you know what the quarterbacks are doing and then Marvin Harrison Jr. saying, hey, um, this is who I am. I'm going to work out. I'm just worried about you know me translating to the NFL level. Do you like the path in which he's taking? I like the, I like the message, you know, of – 
I'm trying to get ready to be an NFL wide receiver. And I, I think he is, is a unique player. You know, the quarterbacks, you want to see that competitiveness and you want to see it's really important to watch a quarterback throw in person. For a wide receiver, it's not as important for me to watch you run in a straight line in person. I can get the GPS numbers. I can get the 40, the hand-timed 40 numbers from a junior pro day. Uh, and I think the film is – you can see it all for a wide receiver on film. So I don't think it's an apples-to-apples apples comparison for him to the quarterbacks. But I, I love the messaging of – you know, I don't even know if he'll work out at his pro day. He's just saying, I'm trying to get ready to be an NFL player, not a track athlete. And I, I think you kind of have to respect that. If, you know, if, if Drake May came out and said, hey, I'm, I'm cramming playbooks, I'm worried about cleaning up my footwork, I'm not worried about these you know, ridiculous 70-yard throws off a rollout that I'll never do in the NFL, if, if that's your messaging, I think we, we would all respect that a lot of, okay, man, this guy's trying to get ready to play ball. He's not trying to, to get ready to run fast in a straight line. It's a Matt Miller of ESPN at NFL Draft Scout on the social media platform X. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline live from the NFL Combine. So where is Marvin Harrison Jr. compared to the other top-tier wide receivers in this draft? Uh, he's he's clearly the the best. And I'm a big Malik Neighbors fan. I'm a big fan of Roma Dunze. They're, they're both tremendous players, but Marvin Harrison Jr. is special. You know, I mean, you guys got a front row seat to the, the fantastic play of his dad. He's two inches taller and like 20 pounds heavier. So it's, it's wild. Uh, you know, I think you can look at A.J. Green, but he's faster. You can look at Larry Fitzgerald, but he's faster. And so those guys with their great body control and their fantastic hands and that just silky smooth route running ability, he's got all that. But he's still running away from dudes because he, he you know, he's like a four high four three, low four four type player. So he's really, really special all around prospect. And you know, if it weren't for Caleb Williams, we would be saying, hey, he's the number one player in this draft. Where is he going to likely go, in your opinion, in the draft? I, yeah, I think three or four overall. Um, three, the Patriots could draft him or they could trade out. Um, I think the Arizona Cardinals would love to have someone that expands Kyler Murray's strike zone. You know, and when you've got the scramble drill going and you've got a shorter quarterback, if you've got, you know, number 18 who's 6'4 with a hand up behind the defense, that makes the quarterback's job pretty easy. Here's Matt Miller. All right. Should I start this campaign here? You, you kind of got the ball rolling a little bit. Obviously, Marvin Harrison, his dad, played here. Um, Chris Ballard has always been uh, with drafts. He's he's liked to uh, get those value picks. He's traded back a lot. However, you've got Anthony Richardson, who's going to have to reboot a rookie season. You've got uh, certainly an offensive orientated kind of head coach, not even kind of, with Shane Steichen here. That's that's what you're looking at. So could I start a campaign of, by all means necessary, the Colts moving up to have the capability of drafting Marvin Harrison Jr.? Or is that just so outrageous, outlandishly ridiculous, I should not bring it up? It's fun to think about. I, I think it's just the cost. You know, uh, is, a, is any wide receiver ever worth the cost of moving from 15 to 3? And then on the other side of it, you know, does, would New England even be willing to go back that far? Would Arizona be willing to go back that far? You almost have to, like, piecemeal your way up. You know, yeah. you almost have to, like, trade to nine. And, and, you know, then you're trying to go from nine to three or nine to four to where it's not as expensive to do. And also to where the team on the other end of it is even willing to have that conversation because it is a really rich draft at the top. And so those teams that are 
You know, they won four games last year. The Patriots and the Cardinals did. Those teams at the top aren't going to want to move back a huge amount because these are bad rosters and they need that premium player. So uh, it's fun to think about. I'm with you. It'd be awesome to have him there with Anthony Richardson and hopefully with Michael Pittman back and Josh Downs. But uh, unfortunately, I think it's a little unrealistic. Well, and Matt, you're, you're right about that, too. The Colts drafted 15 as of right now, as, as I mentioned, too, and they've got a myriad of positions where they need an upgrade in talent. And and I would agree that wide receiver certainly is still one. I'm assuming that that Michael Pittman Jr. comes back in some capacity, either with an extension or with a franchise tag before that deadline hits. That's the expectation. But they need somebody else who might be available at that position at 15 that they could take advantage of. Oh, my goodness. Brian Thomas Jr. I think this is where the, the start of his range is. So I know you love Marvin Harrison Jr. Yes. Here's your like SEC version. Six foot four, 205 pound former basketball player. Caught 17 touchdown passes this past year. Similar guy. Like he's going to run past people. Um, he has a speed element to his game that Michael Pittman doesn't have, and but does have that size element. So he's a really exciting playmaker um, where I, I do think somewhere around. 15 is, is probably where he comes off the board. Brock Bowers at tight end. Where would he be? And for a team that also needs a playmaking tight end in the Colts, would 15 be in that general vicinity? I think that's where he probably goes. You know, if, if you ask me to list the five best players, five best football players in this draft, Brock Bowers is on my list. If you ask me to list the best football prospects that's a little bit harder because he's he's not the biggest guy i i cannot wait to see the height weight on him because i, I think it might surprise some people that he's he's probably not going to be you know six three two fifty like he was listed as i think there's a chance he's, he's shorter and lighter than that so uh, also there's the element of the tight end position not being super valued by nfl teams there's a, a poor track record of, of success from first round tight ends uh, especially with their original team. So I, I love the way Brock Bowers plays football. I mean, gosh, he did everything for Georgia, everything, you know, runner, catcher, blocker. So he's the type of player that just makes your football team better. He's doing it at a position that has been a little bit devalued. So I think that's what makes him such a unique conversation. Will lighter and shorter become uh, a little bit more of a skeptical point from teams around the NFL and their evaluation of him? I think so. I do because you know you worry about where's he where does he come out as a blocker? Does he max out as a blocker uh, because of the size? Um, can you move him outside? Which is some of the like if you're going to draft a tight end early, it's Kyle Pitts or Dalton Kincaid, guys that you can move outside uh, with him because of the size deficiency. Are you going to be able to do that? So it, it absolutely could be a spot that that gets him pushed down just because you know. Would you rather have the six four two hundred pound Brian Thomas or the six two two thirty? Brock Bowers, you know, that you start to run into that a little bit. And this is where we do overthink things in the NFL draft sometimes because you forget, hey, on Saturday, this guy was unstoppable. You know, you, we overlook that for, well, he's a little bit smaller than we wanted or he's a little bit slower than we wanted. And, and that's how that's, that is how teams miss sometimes. It's the NFL Combine Wednesday here on Andy Matt Miller of ESPN, their NFL draft analyst on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. All right, here's another position the Colts are in need. I don't know how robust this is in the first round, but who are you talking about who might be there in terms of the cornerback position? Yeah, so I like this corner class. There's, you know, Tyrion Arnold from Alabama, I think, is deserving of being a top 10 pick. Not sure that he will be because of all the quarterbacks and wide receivers who are going to get drafted. But Tyrion Arnold is fantastic. If he's there at 15, 
uh, you know, you send that pick in as soon as you're on the clock. Don't you can spend one second of your 10 minutes that he's there. I think he's that good of a player after him. You get into guys like Ennis Rakestraw from Missouri, really, really good player. Uh, Nate Wiggins from Clemson, who's a, a really, really good athlete. Uh, he's 6'2", 195 pounds. He's probably going to run in the 4'2 range. Um, so that's certainly exciting. Cooley McKinstry from Alabama, a really good playmaker throughout his career. Quinion Mitchell from Toledo is, is probably the name that you're going to hear a lot this week because he has started that climb. A fantastic senior bowl week started the process for him. I think he's going to test really well here. And to the point that, you know, we're going to talk about a Toledo corner being drafted ahead of Georgia guys, Alabama guys, Clemson guys, Ohio State guys, just because the the – type of play that he brings to the line of scrimmage and the speed to run down the field is really special. All right, Matt, what about the edge rushing position? Anybody stand out? Yeah, a lot of guys. Dallas Turner from Alabama uh, should be a top 15 pick. Leatu Latu from UCLA is an interesting prospect this week because medically he had to retire while at the University of Washington. Got cleared at UCLA, played two years. Health uh, was never a problem and, and was the most productive pass rusher in college football during that time. Uh, so he's definitely interesting. Jared Versa, Florida State, is your true 4-3 defensive end. You know, at 6'4", 260 pounds, he can play head up on the tackle. He can play in space. He's going to be really, really good against the run. Uh, and then Darius Robinson from Missouri is what we used to call a tweener. You know, 6'5", 290 pounds, can play inside, can play outside. Another player who had a, a dominant senior bowl week and really helped himself. So all those guys, I think, are, are top 20 picks as long as the health comes back good for, for a lot, too. He is Matt Miller of ESPN talking NFL draft, NFL combine, and more on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. We kind of skipped over him in the quarterback position, but he had uh, some years here in Indiana at IU and then obviously finished strong at Washington. How do you view Michael Penix Jr. at the NFL level? Yeah, I think what he did at Indiana is as important as what he did at Washington for his NFL draft evaluation. You know, four years here, they all ended with season-ending injury, and that's concerning, especially when you got two of those years are an ACL tear. That's going to have to get poked and prodded this week. I think that, for him, is bigger this week than anything he does on the field at Lucas Oil. It's how do teams feel about the knee? Um, where's that at long-term? You know, he another guy, he was healthy the last years at Washington, was – Highly prolific was the runner-up Heisman Trophy candidate this year. But uh, how do teams feel about the knee moving forward is really going to be big for him. But, you know, as far as just watching guys throw, he's a beautiful thrower. I think his workout is going to be really, really fun to watch because he, you know, when he's not pressured, he can he can put a football anywhere he wants. The, the problem comes when he's asked to move his feet, when he's asked to flip his hips. That's when some of the problems come in. He is a Matt Miller of ESPN at NFL Draft Scout. You can find him on the social media platform X. Live from the NFL Combine. Before I let you go, normally somebody completely jumps off the page and has an incredible workout. You talk about Anthony Richardson, that a year ago at the quarterback position. Give me some names that you're really looking forward to do their work here and who could be the star of stars during this 2024 NFL Combine. Yeah, I mentioned his name earlier, but I think Nate Wiggins, the corner from Clemson, has a he might be the fastest player here. And to do that at six foot two is is outstanding. You know, normally we don't see that from someone with his size and length to be as fast as he is. So he's that player where you watch the tape, it's a little uneven at times, but a, a press man corner who can move like that is really, really attractive to the team. So he's he's one of those guys that can have a huge week and jump up. Chop Robinson, the pass rusher from Penn State, one of the best names in the draft, also one of the best athletes at 6'3", 
probably going to be a little bit under 250, but he's going to work out exceptionally well. And I mean, could solidify a first round grade for him with a big week here. It's uh, Matt Miller in town for the NFL Combine. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So you get this Indiana mixture of weather. You get some 70-degree days, and then uh, you get some storms, and then it goes down to the 30s. And then by the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, it's going to be back up in the 70s. Welcome to Indiana again. Yeah, I'm from Missouri. This is normal. I left home, it was 80 (laughs) degrees today, and and my allergies have reminded me of it. So uh, I'm used to it. I've I've done live shots at the Combine in sleet and snow, and I, I've done it in warm weather. So it's it's part of the indie experience, and I'm excited for it. I go back to doing my shows on Radio Row when it was at Lucas Oil Stadium, and Radio Row was right there inside the, the, in the cap. Hallway. Yeah, yeah, right there in the, in the hall, hallway. And then I'd be done at about 6, and it, nobody would be there. And every time they opened up the door, the wind would just blow your papers everywhere and crap. So I go back when it was not the big deal that it is today so i've been coming since 2012 and and so it's it's been fascinating to watch it grow and change and you know five six seven hundred media members credential now it's it's a different world for sure man i appreciate you as always enjoy your time here in indy we'll do it again soon man Appreciate you. Thank you so much. You got it. Matt Miller right there, ESPN. That's at NFL Draft Scout. All you need to know, the ESPN NFL Draft Analyst and Insider on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, Radio Row. We're at the NFL Combine today. Me and you on the other side, Pacers-Pelicans later on tonight. I'll be at that game. We'll talk about that game coming up as well. Don't go anywhere. Live from the 2024 NFL Combine, it's the Wednesday edition of this show. Don't go anywhere. 93.5 and 107.5. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies jamming out to something new and everything in between coming up a little bit later on tonight again 7 30 tonight because it's national again 6 30 actually 7 p check that 7 p for your coverage beginning right here much like it will on bally sports indiana because our good friends at bally sports indiana pacers tv also active tonight the voice of the pacers chris denary joins us you know where i'm going to be tuned in don't you brother I know, I know you'll have uh, Bally Sports on, so we appreciate that. We uh, we look forward to doing it. That's the good news. When you're on with ESPN, you're able to go side-by-side, side, uh, so we're able to do that tonight. All right. Um, have you heard anything regarding availability? Aaron Neesmith availability, and then you kind of wonder, second of a back-to-back, with New Orleans and then getting in so early this morning around 6 a.m. because of flight difficulties, you kind of wonder what type of role that's going to play for them this evening. Yeah, I have not heard anything on Neesmith with it being a uh, back-to-back, no practice yesterday. Uh, they have a shoot, uh, a walkthrough today. So we'll, we'll learn more at about uh, 545 when Rick Carlisle meets with the media. Um, as far as the Pelicans are concerned, you know, they have a number of guys listed as questionable. Uh, Ingram uh, returned last night but sprained his ankle 
early in that game. It was a very impressive win for the Pelicans. Uh, They're playing against a, a New York team that had a number of guys out, but still, uh, you know, an impressive win. They're, they're a very talented team. So we'll just have to wait in the next hour plus, John, to find out who's in, who's out for both teams. Um, it's Kristen Airy with us. Did we really see in that second of the back-to-back that loss to Toronto the, the other night, did we really see in that thumbnail sketch of a game just how necessary Aaron Neesmith and his return to availability is for this team? I think so. There's no question. It just gives the Pacers more depth. And, you know, it was not the type of game that, that you see from Tyrese Halliburton. It's probably one of the poor games of his Pacers career, and he's had very few of those. I expect him to bounce back tonight. I mean, every time he's had, a, you know, a so-called poor game where he's been in single digits, that next game he's come out and played very, very well. So, uh, yeah, you, 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 as you move toward the end of the season – and especially as March starts uh, this weekend, uh, the Pacers play 10 of their 15 games in March on the road. So they'll need to be as healthy as possible uh, to make this playoff push. I mean, John, you look at both the East and the West. I mean, Indiana is only two games out of fourth, and that's where New York is right now. And they've got the tiebreaker with the Knicks and the tiebreaker with Philadelphia. So uh, you, you win a few games and you can really climb up in the standings. You lose a few games and you can drop back. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, you, you watch just what happened last night to see that, and that looks like the bad news. But as you mentioned too, if you were to able to get get on a run of any kind, then you significantly move up. And and honestly, Chris, it looks like that it's going to be a, a logjam of sorts with these teams from here on out to the end of the regular season. Yeah, because, uh, you know, the last thing that you really want to do is be in the play. And now I, I would say this, from a Pacer standpoint, when the season started, you know, most people were looking at the play-in. You know, that your next, your next step in progress is from going outside of the playoffs to getting into the play-in to hopefully getting into the playoffs. This is a team now that they fall into eighth but they're only a half game out of sixth and a few, you know, what, a game and a half out of fifth. So, yeah. uh, you know, y- your focus is trying to be in that top six uh, to guarantee you a playoff spot. And, you know, right now there's a pretty pretty good gap between eight and nine. I think it's four and a half or five and a half games with Chicago. But from four to eight, it's a two-game uh, two spread. So it's going to be fascinating to, to follow these last six weeks, these last – 20-plus games. Every game is going to be so meaningful. Uh, you look at uh, in April, that game with Miami at Gamebridge Fieldhouse will be very important because the winner of that game uh, will win the season series. Uh, the Pacers have already, I think, maybe I said, they've won the series, uh, the season series with the Knicks in Philadelphia. So, in a tiebreaker situation, that's huge. They've already lost the uh, se- uh, season series with Orlando. So, uh, all of these games are going to be super important when it comes down to playoff positioning. It's our Kristen Airy, voice of the Pacers, Bally Sports, Indiana. They got you covered coming up later on tonight. Now, obviously, it's a nationally televised game. But 7.30, tip time, 7 p.m., your coverage. Bally will be a part of it with that pregame show beginning at 7 p.m. as well. Of course, you can hear it right here on 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. There are a lot of things, and I know it's easy for me to sit here and tear it apart. There are a lot of things that stood out to me in that Toronto game. But 
One factor that we have seen a couple of different times, and I really hate it when Rick Carlisle says it because it kind of justifies me thinking it while watching it. There have been more than a couple of times this season, especially in the second of a back-to-back, where the Pacers have been outworked, out-hustled, if you will, out-efforted. And you know, beyond you know, just losing to teams that are below you, teams you should take care of at home, I think that's what sticks with me, Chris, more than anything else. And I hope that that can change at some point. I don't know if maybe this team, that's just their M.O. and that's who they are. But if you're going to change something with this group down the stretch of the regular season, I would like to see that be it. Yeah, because that that ultimately is why the fan base and why this team, you know, has, I think, done the things they've done is, you know, they outwork teams. I mean, they're the best offensive team in the NBA, no question about that. But, you know, the disappointing thing was seeing Toronto run up and down the floor. Now, that's what they've done uh, coming out of the All-Star break. They've been very good in transition and fast break situations. But, you know, all the points that they scored in the paint, they had 74 uh, I think they had 26 fast break points. Uh, that's hard to overcome, and yet in the fourth quarter, it looked like the Pacers might have a chance to win the game. But, yeah, they've got to be collectively better. And, and I also think this team, John, is better when the scoring is spread out. And uh, I, I say that is when they have six or seven players in double figures, their winning percentage is much higher than when they have four or five. Now, you had great games offensively from Matherin and Siakam, but you just didn't have enough balance uh, on Monday night against Toronto. So hopefully that's what we'll see tonight, and we'll see the Pacers uh, do a much better job, you know, spreading the wealth around. And that starts with Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, you know, he was limited to just seven assists on Monday, and that's very unlike him. Yeah, it just all the way around. Chris, I mentioned this yesterday. It was odd, and I know that evidently Toronto did some different things. I just don't think they did anything that was profound defensively to try to take away Halliburton. I thought that he just had a struggling game. But the one thing that stood out is the ball, as Rick has mentioned, stuck. It was sticking, and I think it started the game sticking. I mean, even on those high ball screen and roll situations, more times than not, if it was Halliburton, if it was Nimhart, if it was Matherin, I mean, there really wasn't a a look at the roller or the guy slipping the screen. If it's Miles, it was mostly these guys taking it to the goal, taking it to the rim. And I think that just kind of leads. To me, I think they play at their highest level when you can tell in those first few possessions that the ball is snapping and moving around and it just didn't seem like they had that Monday night to start the game offensively against Toronto no and and I think you know I could sense it early as the same shots that they were making Sunday night early against Dallas they were not making on Monday against Toronto and then you have you know Ben Shepard hit five of five from three on Sunday now you're not going to do that every night but he really struggled. Obi Toppin's been a better than 50% three-point shooter over the last couple of weeks. He went 0 for 5. So all of those things that were going well on Sunday in a very impressive win against Dallas were not the same things uh, that were going well for the Pacers on Monday. And, and I'll say this, and, and for me it'll be interesting to see, I think Toronto will be making a push to get in the play-in. 
they're only a few games behind Atlanta. Atlanta's now without Trey Young for the better part of the next four or six weeks. Um, I think Toronto is talented enough to get there. And, and when you look at them, and again, they had Ananobi, they had Siakam, but now they've got R.J. Barrett and Quickly and Scotty Barnes that some, sometimes I look at them and go, how, are, how have they only won 21 games? And I think they are trying to prove in the final 20 games of the year that they deserve to be in the play-in and that they're a better team uh, than maybe we've evaluated throughout the year. One of the games to watch tonight will be them at home tonight with Dallas and the Mavericks on the second out of a back-to-back after losing that heartbreaker last night on uh, the Max Struess uh, half-court three at the buzzer. Yeah, that was uh, brutal for them. Great for Cleveland right there, by the way. But absolutely a brutal way to lose a game last night with Struess from beyond half-court. Yeah, he hit five threes, John, I think, in the last three minutes of that game. Um, and he's been he's been a terrific pickup for Cleveland. You know, we have not seen Cleveland since very early in the year. The Pacers beat him uh, in Cleveland and then also beat him in an in-season tournament game at Cambridge Fieldhouse. Uh, they're a much different team. I think they've won 19 or 20 of 23 or 24. They're playing at a really high level, and that's why they're so high right now uh, in the Eastern Conference. Chuck Cristadere, voice of the Pacers, Bally Sports Indiana is action tonight, in action, I should say, tonight. Seven o'clock underway. That tip tonight from the field house is at uh, seven thirty. Give me some things you want to see this team pick up on in the final handful of games of the regular season, and some things that you've really been impressed by with this team. And it doesn't necessarily have to be out of the All Star break, but just in general, consistent terms this year, Chris. Well, I do think they've got to be. A better in a fast break situation. Those numbers have tumbled a little bit of late. Uh, they led the NBA in fast break points last year. They're still top five, but I think in the last 10, 15 games, they're only averaging about 13 fast break points. They only had 11 against Toronto. This team is really effective when they're in the 20s. Uh, and, and I just think, uh, you know, that starts with Tyrese Halliburton, that starts with them. You know, getting out in transition, whether make or miss, getting some easy baskets. Uh, so I'd like to see a little bit more of that. Um, I, I do think, you know, except for a quarter here or a quarter there, and I know they gave up 130 uh, to Toronto on Monday, I do think their defense has been better. Has it been great? No. Um, has it been good? Well, I, maybe not good, but it's been good enough. Um, and I think if you look over the last 25, 26 games, I think their defensive rating is right around 17, 17 or 18. And through the first 25 games, they were dead last. So I think that has gotten better, but it's got to be more consistent. Uh, you can't give up a 40-point quarter like you gave to Toronto in the fourth of the other night. So I, I think stringing more of those good defensive quarters together – uh, like they did against Dallas on Sunday. If they can continue to do that and improve, and getting Aaron Neesmith back will help immensely uh, if he's available to go tonight. Um, I, I think they've been a little bit better than maybe we've given them credit for, but then they have a game like the Toronto game where they give up 130. 
I thought that they would win 45 this year, and evidently they're still on a path to be able to do that. Yet oftentimes, Chris, after a loss like Monday, um, I've been disappointed, and I have talked about being disappointed on the air. I'm curious where this team is right now. Before the start of the season, and I know that things have changed, and certainly Pascal Siakam coming here in that trade has been a big one. Did you expect them to be where they are presently? I thought that they would – I was hopeful that they would win in the low 40s, that they'd be somewhere just over 500, 42-40, 43-39. That that was my sort of thought process – an improvement of six or seven games uh, from last year. And think about this, John. They were 14 and 14 back at Christmas, and they've gone 19 and 12 since. Um, you know, a majority of those games they played without Tyrese Halliburton, uh, especially on that West Coast trip. And I think they did a much better job without him this year than we saw last year. Uh, last year they played 26 games without Halliburton. They were seven and 19. They played 13 games without him this year. They're seven and six. So I, I do think there's been a lot of positives uh, since uh, the turn of the new year. They've just got to be more consistent. And, and as you said, it's disappointing when you have such a good win like you have on Sunday against Dallas, and you come back on the second out of a back-to-back, and you can't get it done. So, you know, that'll be something to watch the rest of the year. There's only two more back-to-backs. One of those is a back-to-back in L.A. against the Clippers and the Lakers. Again, they have a lot of road games coming up. But this team hasn't – they've been pretty decent on the road this year. So, uh, all in all, I I think they're in a pretty good place. Um, You know, they were sixth the other night. You wake up today, they're in eighth. They win tonight, they could be sixth again. Um, I think that's just what you're going to see in the West and the East over the next six weeks. You're going to see a lot of teams ping-ponging back and forth, and it's those teams that can put good stretches together will solidify them in four, five, or six. No, no, I, and I, I completely agree. I felt Sunday, Chris, watching that game against Dallas, that that was their most impressive start-to-finish win because they they did against a team that had won seven consecutive. They did against a playoff-caliber team out west. I mean, high-level playoff-caliber team. They did what you look for in the postseason. That was like a level of play in the postseason. And for them to drop off as substantially as they did from one game to the next like that on Monday, that's why I was so disappointed in it all. Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing you have to do as players is not look at records because even those teams with poor records still have some pretty good players and they want to prove something. And so they've just got to – They've got to do a better job of that, um, and, and they're going to have some games still the rest of the way with teams that don't have good records, and those are the games that you have to take advantage of. And again, like Monday night, you hate to – I don't want to say you give that one away, but your expectation is they beat you the first time back in November. Now, Pascal Siakam was a part of that. That's a game you really need to win. But, you know, Rick Carlisle, the one thing that he says, he goes – he does not focus on the past. He's got to focus on the future, and that's what they have to do tonight against a New Orleans team that's playing really well right now, John. They've won nine of their last yeah. 12. 
Yeah, I mean, and really, too, I know they have a bunch of question marks, but they are a loaded team from really both sides of it. I mean, they can play a little bit of defense, too. They can mix that in. But they can score at a high volume and a very athletically gifted team, too. Yeah, all I remember is uh, when I think about this is I don't know if you remember the game last year, and I think it was before uh, the trades that sent Irving to Dallas and Durant to Phoenix. Remember when Brooklyn came into Gamebridge Fieldhouse and they literally had three or four of their top players out and Cam Thomas went crazy yeah. and the Nets right. beat the Pacers? Um, yep. that's, that's always available out there, and it's not just Indiana. If you look across the league, there are games where you just scratch your head and go, wow, I, I never saw that one coming. So that that's the thing. There are so many games being played that uh, you, you, just, you just can't look at records because there's guys on the other team, as they say, they're pros too. They're paid to play. That you, You've got to make sure you guard against that. And, you know, I, I just look back at that Brooklyn game last year and, uh, you know, that bit the Pacers in the butt. 7.30 tip time, 7 o'clock. Bally Sports, Indiana, and the voice of the Pacers. Kristen Aries on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I'm going to tonight, so there ought to be a little bit of magic in the building. I'll be there. Oh, good to know JMB will be in the house, so we look forward to it, John. All right, buddy. Good to talk with you. Have a great broadcast. All right, thanks, John. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. For the NFL Combine, the morning show is Sweebo. That's KB and Andy, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. Kevin Bowen joins us. Did you just – could you not get enough this morning? Did you love it? <laughs> we'll be back there tomorrow and, and Friday. No Ian Rappaport today? No, oh, this whole thing sucks. I wish they would have lost my – I was upset when they actually found my credential. <laughs> so, well you can jay query it from last year and just leave it at home <laughs> no i was looking for any excuse to go back <laughs> unfortunately i go ah oh, man but, but i did get down here at noon how about that i got down here at noon i i've been here yeah, since noon it's funny i was walking to ballard's press conference and i look over at the table and i'm like wow that's a crowded table over there okay there's jimmy <laughs> hi there's jake oh charles davis nice Wait, is that yeah. J of V is here at twelve forty-five in the afternoon? I'm thinking he's got to be uh, so pissed. Oh, I love this event. This is so fun, especially right now. So, like Rex Hampton just said, "Hey, I really like the guy behind you sweeping up." <laughs> said, "I know it." <laughs> well, mic him up in a minute here. See what he thinks about things. Hey, before we get into what Ballard said, and I want to remind everybody, you guys are going to have Ballard coming up tomorrow. Now, is he going to just come back exclusively to be on your show tomorrow? Uh, like, do you are you asking if he has like any other duties? Right. Is he just coming tomorrow? back to be on with you guys? No, I, I would assume slash hope. No, 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 
No, he's coming back exclusively to be on your show. Oh. All right, position that the way you need to position that. Yeah, I, I probably should market that a little bit better. Yes, exclusively. He will be driving from Westfield downtown <laughs> tomorrow just for us at 930 tomorrow. He's got nothing else from a meeting or business standpoint to take care of it all. See, I was thinking about this. Here's another really good angle you guys can take because you guys are both non-showers in the morning because you guys get got to get up so early and you wear hats. Can both of you guys wear flat-billed hats tomorrow just like you will? I was going to say, he loves that. I, I don't even know what you would call the font, but he loves that that newer-looking Colts flatball. I, I want to say that's like the only one he's really rocked since it is. Oh, maybe since training camp. Um, so, yeah, he, he seems to have found I, – I don't know if it's his lucky hat or, you know, we all found the hat that really fits us well. So, yeah, yeah I'd have I to thought – is this Chris Ballard or Blink – is this like Chris Ballard or Blink 182 or Travis Pastrana? Who is this guy over here? Yeah, it looks like Kevin Bowen in college scrambling for the flat bill there. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe off the text. I know Andy's going to be at Hinkle late tonight. Maybe he can grab a Butler flat bill on the way out. Sweepo, Sweepo's at Hinkle. Sweepo's at Hinkle trying to give the the dogs a little bit of a lift, huh? Well, you know why he's there. Was like Louisville playing? Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm just he's got his boy. Got his boy on the other sideline, Ricky P. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that makes a lot. That makes a lot more sense now. I'm sorry. I, 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 I was just joking. I obviously knew Louisville wasn't playing up there. That was more of a joke than anything. So yeah. So I, I didn't. Are they tight? He and uh, Ricky well, P. from St. John's. I don't know. I don't know if him and Ricky P. are super, super close, but I think him and Ricky P.'s posse making the drive up 65 from from Louisville. I don't know if they're going. Oh God! You know, bull, bulldog before the game, or if they're going Chatham Tap before the game. Or, oh, that's that's uh, definitely an Italian restaurant before the game maneuver right there. Yeah, maybe uh, Ambrosia before the game. I'm trying to think of Mama Corolla's. We got some options in that uh, yeah, general area. Gonna, you, have that have that 12 second meal wherever you are over there. Well, <laughs> a lot of dessert with that meal. I think for Ricky P is probably how he would he, he would appreciate it described. Ricky P. Hey, we will get to that coming up in a minute because I want to mention Indiana State at Evansville tonight. Now you from last night with the fire alarm going off. But, hey, help me out with this for a moment, too. Uh, the NFLPA report card uh, looked very similar to my report card at Indiana State in 1992. <laughs> Outside of Shane Steichen's grade, I mean, that, that was essentially my grade in the history of Western film in 1992. But outside of the Steichen grade, there were some uglies on there, of course. According to the NFLPA, there were. I was. Uh, I, I went back and looked at last year's report card because it's now year two they've done this. And I remember last year, like the grades are pretty low, kind of around the entire league. And so you kind of had to look at like, okay, where are they ranked one to thirty-two? I mean, Colts are a lot higher. I want to say, what was the one that they really dropped in? Was it? Uh, was that like the, how they treat their families? Maybe they were like fifth last year, and now this year they're like I don't know, deep into the twenties. Do, um, do we know what that entails? Do we know what what, well, what does it entail? How do you get graded upon that? Yeah, it was specifically one of the things listed was the Colts are one of seven teams that don't provide in stadium daycare 
for the kids on the team, which part of me wants to raise my hand and be like, welcome to uh, 2024 life. Uh, daycare shortages are abound, people. No matter how oh, good you are, I guess. Uh, but then also part of me is like, well, oh, damn, that seems like a rather easy fix. I mean, there has to yeah. be, I, I don't know, a handful of people that would love to do that on a Sunday afternoon, and I would assume get paid pretty handsomely if it would keep me off the old NFLPA report card there. So I think that was one of the, I, I don't know, glaring issues, a lack of quantity in the training room from a staff standpoint. Uh, I felt like they need some more bodies in there. I think they might have not been overly pleased with I, I maybe it's like the quality of the weight room equipment or the spacing of the weight room which that, that was a big project Chris Ballard uh, undertook a couple of years ago <laughs> in remodeling that and, and really moving it within the facility and it's a much different looking space than it was previously um, at the end of the day John I, I probably do side with Ballard a little bit and think some of it's a tad overblown. Um, yeah. You know, and, and again, if you look league-wide, a lot of teams have some pretty poor grades. Now, having said that, there are certainly some things on that list that would seem like pretty easy fixes. Others might be more difficult. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's a hindrance on keeping free agents and or attracting free agents. Oh, you got to love it. The food in the cafeteria with the sea. That's not good. And that was another big thing. I mean, those are probably Ballard's two biggest projects early on was strength and conditioning, nutrition, weight room. I mean, he overhauled it like no other. So that stuff probably does bother him. I don't know how much he cares about the lack of, you know, Peppa Pig and Daniel Tiger on in the kid playroom at Lucas Oil Stadium. But uh, that other stuff he's got to be frustrated by. I know, and then uh, yeah, that was with the uh, that was during the Rusty Jones era. Now you're going to move on from the Rusty Jones era, so you got to find you got trip to light fantastic on this now. Yeah, and somebody I, I saw they hired that dude from the um, from the Eagles to be their new strength coach. Um, did you ever run across or know David Blau at all? Do you remember that name started at Avon and then? Kevin Wright took him down to IMG, played football at IU, was at Notre Dame, and then ended up at Bama. He was Bama's strength coach. Uh, someone was telling me that uh, he had interviewed for the job and, and, and you know, wanted it, and the Colts were like, no, we're going to keep our other strength members on staff. If you look at the other guys within that uh, program, they, they, they kept them there, um, and Blau wanted to bring his own crew there, but that would have been another kind of local tie. Uh, on to Shane Steichen staff, like Brian Mason, special yeah. teams wise, but they elected to go in a different direction. Is he um, is he married to a former IU assistant coach, in women's basketball too? Is that the guy you're talking about? Or am I, I wrong like on he's that? Married to a former athlete, and for some reason, I feel I think he was a fullback at IU, and I and I feel like she might have done something athletically at IU, but I don't know if women's basketball coach. It's like B A L L O U. Huh? huh. I, yeah, yeah. I, I have a vague recollection. I guess I I need to keep track of the strength and conditioning guys more than I do. That's a hole in my sure. game, Kev. Yeah. Well, that, uh, that's why I wanted to preface with a little bit of context there. And I mean, I, I guess to be fair, it seems like more of a college job that matters more, just with the time they spend yeah. with those guys. And I mean, hell. 
when Nick Saban covets you and, and you're the head of their strength program for a couple of years and Kalen DeBoer's kept them on, it's obviously a pretty big deal. So, uh, yeah, that was a guy that I guess was rumored to be uh, having some interest in the Colts gig and getting back to the Midwest, but didn't like what he was totally hearing. All right, uh, Kevin Bowen, the morning show. That's uh, Sweebo coming up tomorrow morning, 7 until 10 a.m. Inside the glorious Hoosier Corridor J. They will have uh, exclusively Chris Ballard. And the only reason he's coming back over here, the only reason he's making the walk whatsoever and getting stuck in the elevator with Matt Conti and being six minutes late is because of the morning wake-up call with Sweebo tomorrow morning. So what time? 9.30. If you could cut that tease for us, that would be great. That was beautiful, beautifully yes. done by you. Thank you. A trio of flat-billed hats will be sitting right here tomorrow morning, <laughs> which should be absolutely fantastic. I, I expected, and I'm assuming you did too, but you can answer it straight up, that what he said about Michael Pittman Jr. was exactly the thought process going into it. Yeah, you know, Andy and I talked about it today. You know, when you hear – Cincinnati tagging T. Higgins earlier in the week, their explanation of it, their message behind it has sounded a little different. It's like, yeah, we're happy to have him back, but it's nothing long-term. It's nothing, you know, we're excited to have him for the future. None of that is in the quotes from Zach Taylor or Duke Tobin or any of that. Uh, But then yesterday, when you heard, you know, the Kansas City GM Brett Beach and Baltimore's GM Eric Costa, when they talked about their tag candidates, you heard a little bit more of the, if we don't get a deal done, we will tag that player. It sounds like that's going to be the case for Michael Pittman Jr. He will definitely be a Colt in 2024. The Colts do have control here in terms of they can place a tag on him if they'd want. And now over the next six days, we'll obviously see when that uh, franchise tag window closes on Tuesday if they can get a a long-term deal done with them. But, yeah, to me, this is the expectation all along. Ballard loves him. I think Shane Steigen's a big fan of him as well. And, And really the Colts are kind of backed into a corner as well in terms of not having a lot of wiggle room and, you know, great depth at wide out or, you know, a massive free agency pool they can dip into. Uh, there's just no realistic plan B besides bringing Pittman back. All right. Hey, by the way, too, we'll close the book on, on David Blue is who you brought up. Uh, evidently, according to my friend Doug Wigan, he's good friends with a friend of mine, Kevin Koontz. And I now I, I know where I saw that name is because Kevin Koontz had told me that he was actually interviewing for this job a couple of weeks ago. I think he told me when I was on the verge of being sick, and I don't know if I have much memory for like three days over that span, but that's what he was telling me. So David Blue, I think you pronounce it Blue, is is uh, yeah, totally the guy that you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's okay. I mean, it's spelled a little bit different. I would have butchered it. I mean, everybody knows that. I would have butchered it. But I, I did. I was thinking. All right, I know who you're talking about. I've heard of this person. Where what did I hear from it? And and that makes a lot of sense now. Yeah, and looking at the picture of him, I I, I probably don't want to butcher that last name anymore. But yeah, I've heard rave rave reviews, and uh, you know, again, the Colts elected to go in a little Shane Steichen Eagles background direction instead of bringing one back home. Gotcha. So thank you, Doug, for that and Kevin Coons. And now I'm absolutely reminded of him sending me that a couple of weeks ago. It's Kevin Bowen on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Anything else from what Ballard had to say, either in front of everybody or with you guys off to the side afterwards uh, moving forward? Obviously, he also mentioned something about Jim Ursay earlier, too. Yeah, you know, he said that him and Shane Sykin have had, you know, several uh, interactions with with uh, Jim, 
Uh, so he did share that news. Again, you know, John, I think people just assume with the combine here that Jim Mercy is usually pretty front and center. I, I can't recall outside of one time he did a press conference at the team complex kind of vouching for the, for the future of the combine to stay here. I can't recall many times he's ever really been super front-facing at the combine. So, you know, again, next time we could see Ursay. I know that's a popular question I get. You know, we're about a month away from the league meetings in Orlando. Will that be more of a Carly Ursay presence? That would be, you know, different than the norm. She always is there, but Jim usually meets with the media there. And then the draft, Saturday of the draft is when uh, he always pops his head in and uh, into the Colts media room and um, we're in there day three of the draft, usually during a quiet time. And he kind of gives a bit of a state of the union uh, on a pretty annual draft basis. So those would be the next uh, times to, you know, potentially keep an eye out for, or I guess that would be something that would be, you know, against the norm if we don't see him in either of those two settings. You know, Ballard, I think is a little bit more um, optimistic about his tight end room than I think some other people are. Uh, he was asked specifically about that group today. He's obsessed, I think it's fair to say, with the wide receiver draft depth in this year's class compared it to the year actually Michael Pittman came out in 2020, which Pittman I think was the sixth or seventh wideout taken that year. So really likes that group. Um, you know, the Anthony Richardson comments, uh, he didn't want to put too much stock into the, you know, oh, boy, Anthony's ahead of schedule. And I, I kind of agree with him on that, like, you know, it's mid-February. You know, the first real date that matters this offseason for Richardson is probably mid-May, you know, when you get out there for OTAs. And even then, you can debate how important that is. I think it'd be nice if he could get out there for those dozen or so practices in the spring. But, you know, the fact that he's got three months to, you know, start his throwing again, which he did a couple weeks ago, and then continue that, you know, into the month of May, I, I, would, I would think that leaves a pretty good amount of time for him to, uh, to ramp it up. Um, those are probably the things that stood out. Sounds like he definitely wants to bring back Kenny Moore. How that exactly looks, we'll see. And uh, those are probably some of the big things that stood out to me. Hey, you can you can take this for you if you want to tomorrow. Even Sweebo can use it. But I would love, and, and if you wanted, if it sounds really stupid, and it is stupid, uh, you can go ahead and frame it up as I ask. But will you tell him tomorrow that you, you really, or, or somebody you know really wants to see them uh, do the best they can to trade up for Marvin Harrison Jr., even though there's no way in hell they're going to do that, and they don't even probably have enough to try to do it? Would you bring that up in the conversation for me tomorrow since – I'm probably going to go a couple of years without talking to him. <laughs> a, 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 couple of, a couple of the eight years, by the way, he's been here. So, yes. Yeah, I might, I might leave that for my co-host. You know, he'll be yes. stretched out of Hinkle. Well, of yeah, and, and Kev, hey, Kev, I know you got to run here, but just, like, don't even tell Andy it may rub Chris the wrong way. Just say, hey, I, I, you should ask this, Andy, all right? Just like, because you're right, he's going to go and he's going to be with his buddies tonight, and all of Northern Kentucky is going to be up here, you know, with their Turtle Man shirts on, celebrating the fact there's running water and flushing toilets, and everybody's going to be excited at Hinkle later on tonight. So just kind of slip that in tomorrow and see if he'll have him lead with it. Okay. Okay. You don't think that could derail things? We shouldn't keep that till the end? Oh, no. I think that'll be okay, don't you think? Don't you think you'd be okay with that? Ballard answered a couple Marvin Harrison related questions today. Did you happen to catch that? Was that you in the background? That, that happened. For I was. I was nights? back. I was back there, but I. I have trouble here. I couldn't hear really anything that was happening. 
Yeah, they were asked about, you know, Harrison not working out and what does that mean? And, you know, I eventually, Ballard didn't really love that type of question. He wants, of course, all these guys to work out. But eventually he got to the point where saying, well, you know, he's Marvin Harrison. Yeah. That's, that, that's why he doesn't need to, you know, do the workouts here. And it doesn't sound like he's going to do them at, at, at his pro day either. Just trade up. Just trade up and get him. Don't do it. Don't trade back for your value stuff. All right, we've had what eight years of that. Was this year eight? Am I right about that? Year eight. This is he is heading into year eight. Yes, this is his eighth That's combine incredible. as Colts general manager. Yeah, pretty uh, pretty amazing. That's a uh, very long tenure right there. If you know what I mean. It is. It's a very long tenure to say the least. Yep, but without a uh, a gargantuan amount of results, it's probably fair to say <laughs> as well. So you say, so you're going into year number eight and you have one playoff win. How do you rectify this? That's that's one for Sweebo tomorrow. Start with that. Jotting down questions for Andy, questions for Kevin. We'll see how it, how, how it goes at 930 tomorrow. I love it. You want to join us? You want to come back to the combine? You can join us? <laughs> no, no, that would make it a lot worse. I think we know that. So, yes, that would make it a lot worse. I'm in there for you, though. Hey, exclusively the only reason why he's coming back over here is to be on with you guys as a station because we're a family that makes me feel really good well done well it does thank you for that for that promo uh sorry about shane Steichen with you today <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah where do we start sorry about shane Steichen. sorry about ian rapaport so I'm going to go interview the hot dog vendor here in a little bit before the end of the show. <laughs> I think Chris Gall's office from Visit Indies down the hallway if you want to go try that. I, I love Gall. Gall would sprint down here to be on the show, too. We love him for that. Love us some uh, Gall. He, he is outstanding. All right, brother. I know you got to get out of here. I appreciate you as always. Good seeing you. I hope this sickness doesn't continue to affect you and have a hell of a time with Chris Ballard. 930 tomorrow morning, right? Yes, sir. Thank you, John. Glad to hear you're feeling better. You get- Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.